podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap. Neil Atkinson with you with the Anfield Wrap after Liverpool have thankfully beaten Bournemouth by four goals to nil. With me, I've got John Gibbons. I've got Steve Armstrong. He's going to chip in throughout. And we're going to have a chat about the title picture as a whole, insofar as there is one more accurately, maybe a race to the top four later on. Gareth Roberts and Mike Nevin, all with me. Steve, obviously, from United We Stand. I'm going to start with Gareth. Gareth, what a relief. <laughs> yeah, big big relief. Um, kind of felt like, for me, personal well-being that I, I, I just needed Liverpool to win this weekend. And, uh, and and thankfully they did. I mean, I know, you know, you see all the online debates and debate, you know, with your own mates and and everyone's sort of like, well, it's not too bad just drawing two games while you're losing your ship, but it, it just does sow some doubts. And then, you know, to see them come out the way they did there, and, you know, people will say, oh, only Bournemouth and Eddie Howe's tactics, you know, played into Liverpool's hands and all that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm not really asked about other teams. I'm asked about what Liverpool are doing. And I thought the attitude was spot on. The commitment was spot on, and from the first whistle, you could basically see that they were on it. Uh, they were getting stuck in, they were pressing high, they were creating loads of chances. Uh, you know, a few of them only sort of half chances, but you know that's that's the way you want to see your team start the match. And I think the only worry was that you know we, we started so well and, and yet we didn't get up really, and, and you started to get that little niggle again where you're thinking, oh now you know, are we not going to capitalise on the fact that we're all over them here? Um, you know, Coutinho hits the bar. With a brilliant free kick, and then eventually the goal does come, and it, and and it, and it goes from there. And there's only really the moment, isn't he, with 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 the foul in the whole game where you get you, you get a bit of a twitch. And then other than that, you know, well, Clavin falls over at one point. Maybe that's another one. But other than that, like they really controlled it, they really dominated it, and and just kept on going as well, which I thought was brilliant. Well, I mean, it's easy to take your your foot off the gas, but it was like they wanted to make a statement again. Uh, the intensity was one of the core things from it. I thought, Mike, the intensity, and it was completely different from Wednesday. It was completely different from Wednesday minute one, uh, as though this gang of footballers has got themselves together and said, "What, what what's happened on Wednesday? There, that's not acceptable. This is what we've got to do." Yeah, I mean, it looked like a massive reaction to to dropping points against. Um, West Brom and Everton, and you know you can bracket them along with Bournemouth in terms of quality. Um, it was just night and day from from those two performances. When you know I think we looked sluggish really in in both games and didn't create an awful lot of chances. Yesterday we must have created God knows how many. I mean it could quite easily have been ten. It could quite quite easily have been three 0 before we'd even scored. And then as Gareth said, said there, once we get the first goal, and it's a brilliant goal as well from Coutinho. Um, even though Martin Tyler didn't seem that pleased with it. Um, <laughs> not a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, Liverpool continue to, to just go at them. Um, and I think Howe's tactics, yes. I mean, he, he, I think he'd come to an, a, a sort of an agreement within his own mind that Bournemouth are better when they try to play their own game and when they've tried to sort of shut up shop against teams, it hasn't been particularly effective. And he's gone back to a more open style of play. And it did suit us down to the ground, but that can't take away anything from Liverpool's performance. It was just brilliant to watch. I don't think I've ever seen so many back heels in my life. I mean, it was just there was one every three every every three minutes. I was losing count. One twos, back heels, players playing at the absolute you know zenith of their ability, and that's what this Liverpool team is like when it's on it. And maybe this is the frustration really that we're seeing two fairly sort of anemic performances at Anfield, um, and yet away from home there, there does seem to be a more I don't know there's a greater intensity about them. I and mean, probably the reverse should be true, and that and that's probably why you know you can't get too carried away with it because let's face it we, you know we've done this three or four times in the well in the last three league away games I, I thought it was it's interesting. four isn't it four so, five and four I, I thought it was interesting what Klopp said like it was a bit of a bit of a tell really that you know he's, he's really interested in the psychology of football I think we it's fair to say that and we've seen that and he said something about 
the game, those two games that you just talked about, Mike, about about how they almost felt sorry for themselves that they, they hadn't got ahead when they'd had chances, and then mm. that then affected them. And, and he said he'd said to them, just because you miss a chance, you're gonna miss chances. Don't worry about it. You know, don't let it get into your head. And they didn't, did they this time? And and, and they didn't let it get into their heads. And I, I think, you know, particularly against against West Brom, I think it did get into their heads that yeah. day. And they, and they almost start sort of overthinking how they're playing and they don't play that natural mm. football, all the back heels and the flicks and the confidence stuff. The, the, I mean, and, and this does sort of feed into the whole Liverpool mentality debate and you can tr- trace this back as far as you want in the season, but you know, if you look at the City game, the way that Liverpool reacted to losing a man, rueful smiles, thousand yard stares, you know, why is it all going against us? It was the same at Newcastle as well, albeit that they scored a freakish goal. And then against West Brom and Everton, again, for the few chances that we had, again, the, the, these looks of incredulity on the faces of players. Now, it's about challenging that mentality, I think, really. And they certainly seem to, to, to address that yesterday because, the, you know, they missed two or three chances before they'd gone in front. But that, that's got to be that's got to be a constant from now on. Um, you know, you can't be doubting yourself. And yet, I mean, how do they doubt themselves when they're scoring fours, five, six, you know, sixes, well, sevens on a, on a couple of occasions is beyond me. Um, they should always think they've got the capability to score a goal. It was just in those two previous home games, they seem to just lose that uh, that um, belief. Yeah, I mean, they're a funny team, aren't they, Mike? Yeah. And that's what you're, you're kind of saying there. And I, I just come away thinking that after, what a, what a strange football team this is. You know, it's, it, it could really go either way. They could, if someone said to me, next season you're going to do what Man City have done this season, I wouldn't be surprised. No, if someone said to, I was thinking exactly the same during the game but if, yesterday. But if someone said to me, oh, you know, you're going to, you're going to finish fourth or fifth, Every, every, you know, for the next two, three seasons, and it's going to just be more of the same again. I wouldn't be surprised because you can make it. You can make an argument for each. Some of the football is unreal, and, and look, Bournemouth have played into our hands. I think. I think it has to be a factor because you know there, there was just more space than there was against West Brom and Everton. There was far more space, and that's going to be easier. But still. I, I, when Liverpool's at the best I can't tell what formation they're playing and it doesn't help that I'm watching it on the telly uh, although it was quite nice to watch it on the telly but you know in terms of you, you can't see the bigger picture as 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 much but you know when Liverpool are playing the best you know, you struggle to see kind of what, what the formation is who's playing where and some of the some of the moves there's the that don't lead to goals there's the one-two between Coutinho and Salah where, where Salah's you know, it, 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 he saves it with his arse, doesn't he? The keeper, yeah. and but it's it's just an absolutely brilliant move. That I, don't, I don't see how you stop. I think the commentator said that. Well, how do you defend against that? And you can't. And there was another one um, where Henderson plays it into feet and then follows it up, and suddenly he's round the back, and, and then he plays it into Firmino, and Firmino can't get quite get it out of his feet. And that's that's great to see. I was made up to see Henderson doing that really because we haven't mm. seen him doing much of that of that of that you know team man running, and he's very good at it. He's you know he's 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 an athlete, so. Just loads of pleasing stuff that didn't lead to goals, and the stuff that lead to, did lead to goals was even more pleasing. Um, just on that, there's the, starting with the, that front three, John, uh, and how well they work together. There was, I thought that you know, the, it's sheer magic, and it becomes so difficult to stop. That's the thing, you know. Coutinho's goal, for instance, it's full of people trying to stop him doing what they expect him to do, and then he doesn't do it all the way through. He always does. Do you think oh, he's going to shoot now? He's going to go far corner. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. Begovic leaves leaves his near post completely exposed because he thinks this is only going one place. He's going to whip this one around, and then he just puts it into the near corner all the way through. You think he should be doing something else, and all the way through, he's actually just doing the right thing. Yeah, he does. It's a, it's a really good goal, but 
they, they can't be sure that he's not going to pass all the way through that because first of all there's runners and that's great and that's what that's what that's what runners do and that's why you always want to see energy in your team because it because because that you know people not even touching the ball we're, we're you know that 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 right back didn't know what to do did he I mean the, the, I mean the, the poor fullbacks all game I thought I thought Daniels was going to sub himself at half time and then <laughs> by about and then by about fifty five he, he blagged an injury and went off didn't he uh, it did not feel like a blagged injury you know I mean you shouldn't say that it didn't but there was there was a thing back in my ankle because he got involved in a little. Pa- he, they were like, yeah. oh, Daniels is going off in a minute. And then he got involved in a bit of a passage of play. And I was thinking, he looks all right there yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I honestly thought he was going to sub himself, Tony Hibbert style. But um, <laughs> well, not, not just just the heat of the uh, the attack that time, rather than the, the sun at Wembley. Oh, what a day that was! Uh, I'm sorry, I've, I've got off subject here. No, but run, runners really help some people, and people making runs even if they don't get them, and that's why they got to keep doing because because we can because Coutinho can score a goal like the one he scores, but also we're capable of, of scoring you know brilliant team goals like you've seen in um, in recent home games as well where you know you think someone someone he's, he's going to sh- shoot it and suddenly there's a there's a little inside pass and so it does confuse defenders and and that that is us at our best Steve there's across the league at the minute there is there is quite clearly six really strong teams and and there's one ridiculously strong side but what's noticeable is how important it is that you're very 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 good players Play very very well in key moments. That that's what that's that's what gets you from nil nil to one from nil nil to one nil. Does happen for Liverpool against Everton. Doesn't happen against West Brom. Happens here against Bournemouth. That moment of well, we can't. You're literally like you're, it's almost like you're using playing another game. You're another step above. Yeah. If you if you walked through your teams of the sort of seventies and eighties, and in particular United's ninety four ninety nine teams, even the away team, and said right across every game in that season, take take your starting eleven, and say what do you think their average out of 10 will be if you take the United 99 team as an example and you go Schmeichel you go Irwin you go Neville Stam, Jonsson Keane, Scholes Beckham, Giggs Colin York you go it's 8 eight stroke 9 out of 10 every single week without respite and yet that's ultimately what's happening at City at the minute um, and what isn't happening just quite as much at the other clubs that are sort of knocking on that door and that brings it back to your point of if you've got aspirations of getting into that next bit that's what you need you've got to have the bulk of your side you can almost not even carry you can't even afford one passenger in there who 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 does that you've got to hit that 8 out of 10 every single week and that's bringing into Salah Gareth that, that's what's stunning about Salah at the minute firstly is that he is, he's, 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 he's playing like one of those players and it's it's incredible to see but also it's the way in which like those players just named there uh you can say, well, I know what he's going to do. I know what John Barnes is going to do. Mm. I know exactly what John Stop Barnes is going to do. Off. I know what Peter Beasley is going to do. It's the idea that what are you meant to do about this? I'm yeah. watching. I'm watching them there with Salah, and they know exactly what he wants. To do. He could have scored three before the one he finally scores, and the only reason he doesn't score them is because of the quality of his finish. Nothing to do with anything the opposition are doing. No, he just had, he had a couple of scythes, didn't he? And then uh, and then decided, you know, he was slotting the next one, and you know, everyone thinks he's coming inside and hitting it. And yet the one he scores, he goes outside and for a laugh first, doesn't he? And it then comes inside. It does feel inside. like for a laugh. And, it, and it's just, yeah, I mean, as you say, it, it, it's it's all the best actually stopping it because it's, it's his pace, it's his control, it's the fact that he can get those shots off. And, you know, look, everyone always said that about, about Robin, didn't he? That he knew what he was going to do and that, you know, that, that he wants to go that way and he wants to hit it, but he kept doing it. And, and people struggled to stop him. So it's... Yeah, it, it, it's all the best. It's all, you know dead easy to sit there from afar and or in a TV studio or whatever and say, well, you know he wants to do this, so you don't let him do that. But he's just gone outside the fella first and then come inside and then put it in. So you know what you do about that, and and once you're inside the box as well, I mean, like what can you do? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can't you can't commit yourself. You've got to just sort of try and 
jockey them and try and block them. And the, the minute you're putting a foot there, you, you, you're likely to give a pen away. His control so good. I mean, they, they were they were trying to assess it on Sky, like you know, just what it is that makes him so good. And they were struggling, and it was dead funny because it, it was like, oh, he, he just has loads of touches. And, and it was like, you know, because, and he just keeps making little touches and it's just taking it away from your foot all the time. Every time you think, yeah. every time you think you can see the ball and I'm going to go in for the tackle, there's another little touch and, it's, and he's gone again. And I, I kind of get what he was saying, but I was quite, quite amused well, no. by how non-technical that analysis was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, with the, I'm with what they're saying as well, Mike, but what, I think what, what is interesting about it is the sheer economy of it with Salah. Like Coutinho, Coutinho could play brilliantly and not directly create a goal and not score one. And you could come away thinking Coutinho was unreal today. Mm. He's absolutely paired and he did this, he did this. Do you remember that point where he picked it up in centre mid, danced away from three and then just laid it up? You know what I mean? Whereas Salah, you feel as though every, most of what he does that's really, really good actually contributes to the ball ended up in the back of the net. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I just think that the um, the goal yesterday is, is it's so typical of what Gareth describes there, where he has a load of touches and he's sort of shaping it, isn't he? He's thinking, I haven't quite got the angle, another touch. Mm. I haven't got quite got the angle, another touch. I haven't quite got the angle, yeah, another touch. Oh, hang on a minute, yeah, that's it, and just whack it in. And so, and there's there's, there's great economy in that in, in a sense. But then equally, I think it's about. Where you know if if, the, if there's a nominal starting position for him, you know for a fellow who's playing who's, who's getting twenty goals before Christmas, you know he's a winger, and that you know he's, he, he, you know he's not a touchline hugger by any means, but he's a wide player, and but it's it's his ability to to move from those positions, but but equally, um, that goal again, I mean he gets the ball in a wide position, he's got his back to goal, he has to turn back inside, I mean it's just incredible, um, and. I suppose, I mean, you could still level the, the argument against him about his, his finishing a little bit because he does have those two or three good chances, which he, I wouldn't say they misses because they're fe- relatively speculative, but there's two curling shots that go over by a little bit of a distance. So, you know, I think the potential there, if he gets better and he's young enough probably to improve, yeah, he could he could turn out to be a 50-goal a season, man. I mean, obviously, Messi and Ronaldo have sort of, you know, they've moved the goalposts in terms of what's, you know, achievable for for goal scorers. And this fella, I think, is about as close to to to, to that at the moment. I mean, we've all talk, we've all talked about Coutinho. We all love Firmino. We we loved Mane, uh, particularly last season, the impact he had. But this fella's had the most incredible impact that I've seen. Um, and it's out, to be fair, it, it outstrips Torres. Um, and I think it outstrips Suarez as well, because it took Suarez, you know, sort of two years Outstrip really before probably, he, yeah. before he became as prolific as he, as he did in the end. Um, just one last point though, about the, the sort of the eight out of tens and the nine out of tens. That's where Liverpool have fallen down. That's why we're not, in you know, in, in in contention for the title because I thought Lovren had a decent game yesterday, and six six and seven times out of ten he looks all right, and then he just throws it in an absolute shit show. Now, people say you know the, the Liverpool's problems aren't systemic defensively. My argument to that is I agree. So if it's if it's mistakes, then the best players make the less the least mistakes. So the answer is get better players. I and think we need luckier ones as well. I think I've started to think that Lovren's just dead unlucky, you know. Yeah. Like I know he's a bit crap as well. I, but I, John, but he, John, oh, I when was the last time he got away with a mistake? I agree. I agree with you. But I think he's got a fatalistic attitude. Maybe that's what um, it is. So maybe maybe you know, like, someone's there's his fingers. Free against him. Yeah. It's not a free kick. I know. No, it wasn't. I know. I, that's I, that was a really good tackle. That was, that. that was what maybe thought. It's the best tackle he's done all season. Yeah, and but he gets then a free kick if, if, you, if you think about it though, the referee. Is watch matches, don't they? Yeah. And there's, you know, the players get a rep, yeah. and and Lovren's rep is for clumsiness. Yeah. Now, if he dives in, he's got more chance of conceding a free kick than say John Stones, for example. 
Um, and that's not fair, yeah. but it's it's a narrative that can become self-fulfilling. It was the lines really given, and he was yeah. right there. And I just thought, you know, there's the people say, oh, Benitez, he's a lucky manager. I say, well, give me a lucky general over a, mm. over a good one. I'm, I'm starting to think about that with centre-halves, because I see centre-halves every week, like, mess up headers, and, and the mate clears it, and they go, got away with that one. I don't think Lovren, Lovren was that kid in school who could never get away with anything, like, you know what I mean? Any, any little slip-up he'd make, you know, the, the, the head would find out about it somehow. And they go, oh, does that happen to you again? Yeah. Everyone has to pull up the spliff and it's Lovren with it in his hand. Yeah, and the teacher comes exactly. around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I wonder, I wonder how many times he's had the strap off uh, clock this season. <laughs> um, just on going back to the really, really good players, John, before you derail us into our lack of luck, uh, which you know, I don't, I don't want to do that in front of a Mancunian. Um, there he's, is... he's not seen Lovren's tackle. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen Chris Smalling and Phil Jones <laughs> together. <laughs> the, other, the other thing that just gets me on it is, it is. That it is the irresistibility of it. On, on, on that, there's they're just stuck. They're just stuck all the time. With, with he's just presenting massive problems. So, for instance, Jesse Bournemouth could maybe have protected the fullback a little bit better. But if they do, they pull the shape out. And all the way through, what the weight of options in attack does is it just means that you can't have to pull your shape out. If you want to try and deal with us, you're going to have to try and pull your shape out. If we're playing like this, and if you want to have any progressive football at all, and that's why. Allardyce did what Allardyce did, even though he should have been two down at half time. Pardew did what Pardew did, even though their Liverpool could have took the chances. That's what you're pretty much left with. That's what teams up and down the country are now going to start doing, even at home. They will, yeah, but that's not to say that we can't deal with that. You know, you know, Bournemouth was, was an easy game for us, but we also just approached it better, like like all the lads have said. And so, you know, if you if you if you're going to basically go out and say, well, we'll we'll take nil straight away then was sort of all the best with that really because there's just so much firepower there and I think what yesterday kind of proved to me is that you know the the, the four lads that everyone's talking about that's maybe a little bit unfair and, and Cop doesn't like it but we've got to be getting at least three of them on the pitch and that's what and I thought that was the mistake against Everton as he, he only goes with two and and against Chelsea as well yeah, by the way and Chelsea only goes he only, we only end up with two of them and I think if they're all fit I think you've got to be at least three of them I understand the need for rotation but We'll take take it in turns, yeah. and then take it, and then and then you've got lads like Oxley Chamberlain. There's there's Solanke you can use, or even you know if it, even if you end up going with a bit more solid four three three, that that's kind of fine. But you got to get three of them on the pitch, and if they're all fit, it's 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 imperative we do because if we do, if we get at least three of them of them four stars on the pitch, I don't know, you can park as many buses as you like. Yeah, I was just going to say while we're on the subject of the Bournemouth thing, while I remember. Um, I had a feeling yesterday we were chatting on our bus on the sort of way down about, you know, bets and games and stuff. And I was absolutely convinced more than any game that you would rip them to shreds yesterday because they had the game at Old Trafford on Wednesday night. A, you've got the journey back, which is, I don't care what people say, it's, you know, it does have have an impact. But I I honestly can say I've never seen football played, not for two decades, in conditions that were that bad. And it was a proper leggy, horrible game. And even watching United yesterday, United started to empty from about sort of 70 70 minutes in yesterday. So I just had a feeling yesterday that 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 had an impact. But just the other thing on Bournemouth, um, and it's always wound me up this, as in, when did Eddie Howe become a thing? (laughs) Right, to the point where on, on the other night, um, Eddie Howe at 40 was actually a oh, programme the Sky who charges money for this sort of stuff <laughs> right, decided yeah. to run. I mean when did he become a thing that, that he's some kind of he's the like next, a sort of a, next a, best a, a latter day Alan Kerbishly for me um, Just, where you, you, you know he, they have a, I suppose he's, he, he, you've got to give him some credit for getting Bournemouth into the, into the league but there's a, there's a, there is a thing about him isn't there as this progressive young coach and there's just, been a few of them but 
he um, went to Burnley and bailed instantly. Mm. You know what I mean? He couldn't deal with it, and now he he, he always his name gets tagged. He's always in the odds when England managers come up. He's always he's in that sort of twenty to twenty to one bracket when certain managers' jobs came up. I think he was even higher when Everton's job came up. I think mm. he was something like tens or something like that. But it's just this, you know, he's just he's doing what a lot of managers have done, which he's come up. But I think he's one of the most tactically naive managers that he's spent there is decent in the dough as well. If yeah, you look totally. at them, like, absolutely. Spent, I mean, a lot of it's come to us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, by all means, uh, Brad Smith's not really ripped it up. Um, <laughs> Jordan Ibe can't there. control a ball. Jordan Ibe. Um, Better than Sterling, though. Firmino's touch, I was waiting for that one from hey, somebody. Know, yeah. uh, Firmino's touch for the second, Gareth, I want to talk about that in terms of that sheer quality. And that people will say oh, it's, it, it, it's fighting for a lost cause and all of that. Forget that for a second. The actual cushioned quality of it, I thought, was just different class. Yeah, he's not He's not just hooked it as he or boomed it or just tried to keep it in. He's, he's, picking, he's picking it out and putting it into an area and... You know, fair play to love him for uh, anticipating it and doing an old school dive and header, which I loved. Yeah, um, brave. I mean, it's brave that wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was yeah. right in with the boots, yeah, and yeah. you know, you got to give him some credit for that. I was made up for him to be honest, because I mean, as much as I'll, I'll sort of have a pop at his inconsistency, seems like a nice lad, and yeah. it was a nice moment for him. No, definitely. Um, but yeah, you're right on the Firmino thing that you know it went a little bit amiss. Really, that that that, that is a great touch to get it back in the middle because everyone was too busy about deciding whether it was in or not. And it's it clearly in. Yeah, clearly it's, in. It's, it's, yeah, it's fine. I mean, like it you didn't know. need twenty replays, did it? I no. mean, it looked out in real time, but it didn't need twenty replays afterwards. No, it was bang no. on the line. But it, it was a, it was a great. T- I mean, look, we we talk about Firmino a lot, don't we? And and, and he still. A lot of people always talk about sort of work rate and all this sort of stuff, but he has, he has got real quality as well. And it, it goes a little bit amiss sometimes that you know the ability he's got, mm. even the header as well. I think's a good header. You know, it, it's a good ball by Coutinho. The other day we were talking about Coutinho's balls into the box and moaning about them, saying his little chips don't work. Well, there's one for Firmino did, and there's one for Salah nearly did, and so maybe his radar was just a little bit off the other night, and maybe we were just uh, we were all angry because we'd just watched us draw with West Brom. But uh, yeah, Firmino's absolute quality. So is Coutinho, and so are they all. And and as you say, John, you know, the more you get those on the pitch, the more you feel like Liverpool are going to get results. The other thing on Firmino, Gareth, as well, is the is the the damn of him with the praise about how hard he works. Mm-hmm. In the same way as he he, he kept the ball in, and I'm, I, listen, we're all as guilty of that as anybody else. But and but Ian Rush worked hard, didn't he? And everyone talks about his finishing, not about working hard. <laughs> so you know what I mean. And, and there must come a point. He's got thirteen now, hasn't he, Firmino? Which is more than he managed last season, and which is one less than you know Liverpool's top scorer for the whole of last season, Coutinho with fourteen. So at some point we've got to start saying, well, actually he's not bad at putting the ball in the back of the net here, you know, and that's that's why like you know you've got people like Sturridge when he's fit kicking round, not really getting a game. So yeah, he, you know he does deserve more praise, and you know you hear things as well as though he's like a bit of a a pet for Jurgen Klopp as well. He sort of oh yeah. He's his favourite player, and so he's the first name on the team sheet. But the, even that seems like you're damning him almost, almost like he's in the team because the manager I, likes I th- him. I think he's, he's a, in, you know, at Hoffenheim, he got he got twenty odd goals in a season. I was going to say that's I mean, what he's on course for. Yeah. The thing about for me, I mean, that's not something I've heard that about him being a sort of a, a Klopp pep. But I mean, Klopp didn't sign him, you know. No. So, the, so there's no there's no obvious reason to, to 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 think that other than the fact that he'd seen him playing in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, at a, at a high level. I mean, for me, for me, and I've said this a, a couple of times, probably a couple of weeks ago. I, I think for me, you know, it's very much the facilitator to Salah getting twenty goals. And you know, I, I'm not quite sure how what what the direct assist relationship is between them. But the way that Firmino plays creates Liverpool space, and and that's the space that Mane, when he gets back to form, hopefully. But Salah just on a constant basis is is exploiting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I think he's brilliant. I I just love watching him. 
Um, and well, I wrote one of my pieces earlier this season. I mean, I, I half expect to find him in, in my bog every every now and then because he's just everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all right, yeah. uh, but the other <laughs> the other thing I mean, yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? Uh, John, the other thing about him though is is that when he le- it's that it's leading from the front, and yeah. that's the other thing is that it's an intensity to it, and what Does that means, laughs, is, and what that means is, I, mean, I was just thinking about it too much yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm it's, still it's, in shock. Yeah, it's <laughs> too brutal, John. Is that he's leading from the front, and the point about this is he's really, really good, and he's the hardest working player on the pitch, and that that is where the the, the, the quality and the the work rate do combine. There's no you know, every, and that was the thing about Liverpool yesterday. There was the intensity, the quality, making the pitch seem so much bigger, bigger than Bournemouth could handle. And being first to everything, Firmino was part of that, Robertson was part of that, Henderson was part of that. You could see there was very much an attitude they were going to be first to everything. Yeah, and Firmino leads that because of, because of where he is. He's the furthest man up the pitch a lot of the time and he's he's leading by example in terms of his work rate. And I think if you see a centre forward do that, well, you've got no excuses as a midfielder or whatever or, or any other field. If, you, if your centre forward's doing that, then you think, well... Well, I've got to kind of step up as well, and and that's why it's important, and and that's why it helps Liverpool when when he's up there play, playing number nine. He's all over the place, as as, as Mike says, his, his movements, he's he's finding pockets of space, he's he's dragging defenders all over the place, and that and that helps the, the wide lads get into the spaces that they do. He's he's they just obviously love playing with him, don't they? He's a very yeah. selfless player, but then also he's he's getting goals, and so he's it's a proper it's a proper striker's head of that. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it's, it's in terms of where he is, where he is on the foot, where he is in the pitch. He's where you want a centre forward to be, kind of much more than maybe the other lads have been recently. You know, when 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 Sturridge and Solanke have played, for example, who you who you classes proper centre forwards, I would argue that they're probably not there enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, he's. He is a number nine, and, and I think that is his position. And you know, there's not really false about it anymore. He's just he's just doing the business. Um, the intensity, Mike, from the outset, in terms of as I said before, winning the ball back. I thought Robertson had his best, probably his best game for Liverpool. Um, Henderson probably his best performance since Leicester away. Yeah. Um, there was across the board really before we get on to Oxlade Chamberlain from from two or three of them. Gomez I felt as well. They were they they weren't going to lose. There was a lot of lads there who weren't going to lose their personal battle. I thought mm. on the pitch, and that that again is something that's good to see. Yeah, I'm, I actually made some notes for today just because there was so much to talk about in terms of the the obvious candidates. But um, I've got a double tick against Clavan, Henderson, and Chamberlain. Um, and Clavan, I, I think, is beginning to look increasingly assured. I've given him stick in the past, and you know. I suppose criticised him or, or reduced him to this four million pound Estonian centre half, and what you pay is what you get. And I actually think he's done really well in the last six, six or yeah. seven games. He looks yeah. solid, composed, um, reading things well, good in the air. Um, but for me, I think the most encouraging thing, and again, there's been some doubts about Henderson recently. That he looked back to, back to his best there, but whether it was because he was playing in that more advanced position, as John said, there more third man running runs, if you like. But you think back to Henderson when he was at his best. It was it was the 2013-14 season where he was effectively playing as the, the probably the, the the fourth man in the front four at times, um, and he was making loads of runs. And I think he ended up with about five or six goals. Um, and a, a criticism of him is that he doesn't get enough goals because when he does, they tend to be worldies. Mm. You think back to Chelsea last season, but it was pretty much the only one he got. Um, now that's down to the fact that he's been employed predominantly as a six this season. Um, but he was so much more advanced yesterday, and I think if you have the shield behind him that Wijnaldum offers, and I, I still like Wijnaldum. He, he had a funny game yesterday, but I think it was one of those ones that if you if you were at the match, you saw a lot more of him. He seemed to be doing loads and loads of screening, loads of loads of occupying space that cut off the, the, the passing angles, and yet he wasn't that visible. But I think quietly he had a really effective game, and I just think that surety 
um, behind Henderson allows Henderson to do more of what he's good at. Um, and yeah, I was really encouraged at the way he played. There was a, I, I thought there was like a, a spirit and a determination about him as well, though, for, for straight from the off, in that like he was trying to make things happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. he, he was very forward thinking with his passing. You know, John's mentioned before, he was following them in, he was getting in the box a couple of times and things like that. And, and I think one of the criticisms of him from his many doubters is that, you know, too often he, he, he's safe and too often, he, you know, he'll, he'll shift it sideways or come back or slow it down or, you know, look, not look for that. And, and I, I mean, it seems, it seems a silly thing to say, really, but, you know, even at the start of the game, it's it shown them in the tunnel. And, you know, you see players dicking about and high-fiving and or cuddling each other and all this bollocks. He was, he was stood at the front of that. Liverpool team looking like a fella who was going out to twat someone basically yeah. <laughs> and I thought go on and you know what I mean he was dead narky throughout the game yeah. as well and he was he, there was there was loads of talking yesterday mm. as well mm. everywhere loads of them you could see them talking so it I think what we said at the top of the show about it felt like there was, it felt almost like you know wouldn't surprise me if in a day or two you see the old they had a team meeting yeah. you know type thing because it, that's what it felt like, like, like as though there was a big focus. Like today, we go out, we blow these away, we get a result, and we shut all the doubters up. Yeah, and, and I think, I think Henderson led that. And, and as, as the captain, and I know people uh, sort of denigrate the captaincy now and say it's just, you know, it's just a sort of, I don't know, some kind of figurehead role. It's not at all. I mean, it's Henderson's absolute responsibility to go out with that steely look and that steely attitude every single game, regardless of how well you're playing. I mean, one of the criticisms I used to have of Gerrard is that in terms of his captaincy, when his game was off, so too was his captaincy. He didn't seem interested. He was too fixated on his own game if he was playing um, you know, poorly on occasion. Um, seemed disinterested, and I think it's a slightly different manifestation of that with um, with Henderson. Whereas when he when he's not playing so well, he's just a bit he's just a bit quieter. But um, the attitude of him yesterday, and again, just referring back to that sort of eight out of ten thing or six out of ten, and where we fall down and where we have our inc- inconsistency, it's his responsibility as captain of the club to carry that attitude onto the pitch week in week out, regardless of whether he's feeling a foot injury, regardless of whether he's playing at the you know the peak of his levels. Completely agree with that. Um, there is, you mentioned luck before, John. Um, Defoe hitting the post was a, was a bit of luck for us in terms of the time, and it would have just been at that point, having played as well as Liverpool had. It's casual in centre mid from Wijnaldum and Coutinho that allows the opportunity to break their honours. Um, it was for the first time in a while. I did actually think, you know what, we've got to, we've been a bit lucky there. I think the goalkeeper's out quick. I think he makes it harder for him than it needs to be. But it's still, you know, it it, it looked it looked in from the minute it left yeah. Defoe's boots. Yeah, he normally scores those, doesn't he? As you say, the keeper has done well when you yeah. see it from. You the, the angle well. Yeah, when you he, see it he's from. He's got the, to put it in the corner, hasn't he? Yeah, when you see it from behind the foe, you can see see kind of how well he's done, really. But still, he normally scores them. That's what he's done throughout his career. So yeah, we got a bit of luck about. That. I mean, we we've hit the post by then already, you know, but. But that that without him it was it gives it away, doesn't he? And we we just did that very few times throughout the game. I think they, they showed our our pass completion rate after the game, and it was eighty eight percent. So it was said it's the second highest we've been all season. And when you consider what the lads said before about how we were trying to force it with our pass and how you know we went, we, it wasn't the, the tipping around that we've seen in some home games where you think, oh come on, let's just get it forward. Um, you know, I thought our, our passing was 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 very aggressive, was very ambitious. We were always looking to to get him behind Henderson, especially as as I said, with his big switches, which had allowed Salah to get one on one and things like that. So the fact that we were all doing that, the the, the manner way we were able to keep the ball, I think I think speaks um, you know very highly of the team. Because you look cold as well. 
it did look cold going back to what Steve said before about the conditions one of the little bit as well uh, I mean obviously uh, Firmino's just offside for the goal uh, but you know it's 4-0 at that point and it's not not necessarily a bit of luck that does not even itself out over the course of the season if the gods are listening to this I want them to know that one doesn't count uh, on the even themselves out other thing as well uh, Gareth we haven't talked about him yet at all really but uh, very briefly in dispatches is Oxley chamberlain for me that was a performance where he announces himself on the pitch as a Liverpool player and off the pitch as a Liverpool player. Yeah, really good. Um, I, I thought the sort of moment that summed it up is where he, he, he dives into a, a great tackle to, to rob it from Ibe, drives forward and, and then he, he hit the post and he was a bit unlucky with that. But mm. he played well and he was everywhere and he, he was he was another one that was providing that energy and options. And he, you know, he said himself that... It, Afterwards, that you know, it's taken him a bit of time to settle in and realise what the manager wants, and it's a bit different from what Wenger wanted from him. But I think there's good signs there that he can be decent for us, that he can be a, a, a good Klopp player because he's got loads of energy, he's got loads of strength, and if you can just add a few goals now as yeah. well, then then you've got a player on your hands. And yeah, afterwards as well was absolutely brilliant because you know Sky will be tabloid TV. We know that. We know what types of questions they will aim at managers and players. There's enough evidence of that over the years. But you know, Coutinho's still someone who you know English not his first language. Um, you know, quiet lad. Quiet lad. He doesn't like doing interviews. He swears interviews as a rule. But this is one of the interviews where they're contractually obliged to do it. It's straight after the game. The telly companies can say we want X and Y, and so he's got to stand there and take the questions. He was clearly uncomfortable with the line of questioning he was getting, and for Oxley Chamberlain to just step in, nip it in the bud, and say, "I think you're out of order for asking that." Brilliant, you know, and yeah. that's what you want to see. That's like that's a proper teammate. That that's a bit of leadership there, and that, and, and that's that really bodes well. And you know, he's rightly got loads of praise for doing that. Do you know and what I found interesting? Like he's another one that seems like a nice lad. Yeah, no. I, what, what I found interesting about that was that even before he steps in and and uh, rescues Coutinho from that awkward situation, I was thinking to myself, he's a he's a bright lad. Mm. He was talking really well. He was talking realistically about the challenge that he faced becoming a Liverpool player and that it's taken some time to settle down. But I just thought this is an intelligent guy. And what I was thinking along along with that is the way that Liverpool, but not all clubs, will personality profile players before they sign them. Um, and I saw a really interesting interview with uh, with Robertson on LFC TV uh, earlier in the week as well, and he came across as a real sort of fun loving, um, fun loving person, but also very very intelligent. Uh, spoke very well, um, spoke with a real a real insight about the game, and talked about his Scotland career and everything. And I just thought to myself, he'd be good in the dressing room, and um, speaking English or Scottish as his first language. <laughs> um, so. The two, the two of them, I, I think, I think really impressive, and, and what he does there, stepping in, just showed the level of maturity. Really, I mean, he's only twenty three, yeah, um, and he's and, quite a new lad at the club, it, yeah, and and to be to be acting like a senior player yeah. in that interview, I, I just spoke volumes for him. I really thought that was impressive. Yeah, and on, on the pitch as well, I agree with the lads. You're really good performance from him. I think it's it's now a while since you can say he's had a bad game. Yeah. Really, I mean, the the, the end product thing might is, is maybe still a bit of a worry because I think if if the lads ahead of him aren't scoring, then you start to think, well, you know, is he doing enough? You know, when Alden suffers from that as well, he's another one, isn't he? Whereas we're able to go, oh, he's quietly had a good game there, but. It, if we're only one nil, then you want him to more loudly have a good game. Yeah. And I think I think uh, Oxley Chamberlain will, will maybe start to struggle with that. It's all right being being a bit of a I think the biggest an impressive concern, call. Yeah, the biggest concern on on him there is that his numbers at Arsenal um, yeah. playing cons- you know not not all the time, but you know knocking up thirty appearances a season. His numbers in terms of yeah. goals, not so much assists. I don't know what his, his assists. Um, 
stats are, but his goals, uh, he doesn't get enough goals. Mm. And, you know, that, I don't think that's going to disappear overnight. And no, he no. has to work on it. But his, his actual stats on yesterday's games, it was most tackles for Liverpool, most interceptions, most this, that and the other, high pack, uh, passing accuracy. Um, I thought in the first half there was a couple of times he gave it a, the ball away a little bit too readily for me, but then he grew into the game. And as, as we're all saying, I think he was, that was probably his best game for, for us. Good signs are coming to form when he's about, we're about to play Arsenal as well. Yeah. Imagine, imagine the piss that'll get boiled if he scores there. Um, <laughs> indeed. <clears throat> indeed, though, I suspect he won't start that one, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. I mean, Liverpool now have conceded five goals from open play since Tuesday, the 26th of September, in all competitions, which comes back to what was saying, being said before. About Lovren and about Clavin, uh, Matip in there as well, and also Gomez um, playing reasonably well. The two goalkeepers have been playing reasonably well, both of them. I think it's worth saying they've been playing reasonably well. Um, but also Mignolet makes a good save yesterday as well. I, th- I think it was another one of these ones where it just gets described on commentary by, by the commentators. Hate goalies union. Um, it's a smart save. I mean, it, it's a good, it's a good solid save. It's a strong hand. He gets it out of danger. Yeah. That that's not a smart save. That's a good save. It's a critical save. It is a critical save. Um, Liverpool, as I say, unbeaten in twelve as well. And it's interesting to have got uh, Steve in today because it's also a little bit reminiscent of of you lot last season where you were unbeaten for six months. I think we we're getting a, a couple more wins, but we are also drawing too many, not as many as you last season. And it does seem to be you know reminiscent to this sort of you can't quite tell how good and significant that that sort of run is at times either until the end of the season or maybe even the season after where you get to go. This is a point where a football team's becoming a proper football team. Yeah, I mean we that. That situation that we were in last year. I mean, we were in we were in six for for about well for about five months, and that we, I think we went twenty seven games unbeaten just to stay six, which was, <laughs> which showed you showed you exactly what you just referred to. I think you you need a couple of things in your squad. Something Ferguson was always talk, he always used to talk about was you've got your start at eleven, um, and again, sorry, I keep bringing it up, but that treble team does sort of represent the point I'm about to make here, which is you got your first eleven, but then when you look at who came in when either they needed a break or you just needed to change things around a little bit or bring someone off the bench. You know, it had every right to be there almost by right in the first place. You know what I mean? And I think what's, you know, we're finding with a lot of these sort of sides now sometimes is, you know, every the sort of top, you know, the top four or five on their day are probably all as good as, you know, City are out there or not, but certainly the four that come after that are as good as each other on the day. What tends to set them apart and what I think starts to make somebody second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth is what happens when you have to start moving people about and start bringing people in, whether it be for injuries. Um, I think what's been interesting this year, I know we're going to talk about United in a bit, but uh, certainly from our point of view, um, we're just better managed. Um tactically better managed you know we've got an incredibly tactically aware manager um, than we've had before so you know when you've got managers getting into players heads and helping them to make better game decisions and better on the pitch decisions that makes hell of a difference that that's what's grabbing me Gareth about this th- th- this thing about only conceding five op- five goals from open play since the 26th of September I mean people can have a little bit of an argument over what does or doesn't constitute open play but put that to one side for a second the point about this is Liverpool's set up when it's working it's working pretty brilliantly and there's there's maybe a bit of a question mark both in terms of in the in the dugout and on the pitch about what's happening when it stops working for a couple of minutes. But when it's working, it's it, it's been terrific. It really has. And you know, there's no, the number of games where we've come out where the opposition have only managed zero or one shot on target or something like that. We've managed eight or nine. It's back to this. What he wants with 
this Liverpool manager right now, he wants them to be a whole team. And that, that, that times, I think that could be a bit difficult for us to watch. We would like to see defenders, defenders, midfielders, midfielders, and forwards, forwards. Whereas he's very into his team ethic, as is Guardiola, all of this sort of stuff. And I think, you know, when you're looking at that, when you're looking at that sort of return in terms of goals that you concede and being unbeaten in 12, I think it, it, it does suggest that things are very much moving in the right direction. It's just whether or not it's happening fast enough. Yeah, and that's always the question, isn't it? And, you know, it's encouraging at the moment and they're playing good football, they're setting records in terms of, you know, scoring shitloads of goals away from home. I guess the question's still, you know, the question's still to be answered when teams do completely and utterly try and park the bus and and particularly at Anfield now, there's a little bit of doubt because too many draws, basically, at Anfield. Um, But it does feel like... I was sort of taking a bit of a step back and trying to have a think about it in terms of not just doing the I'm pissed off about that game and now I'm all right again because we've just won one. I was trying to think about the squad a little bit more yesterday and I was thinking, you know, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, that far off because, you know, all of a sudden now I think you've got two left-backs there now who, all right, I know some people, Moreno's not the cup of tea and all that sort of stuff, but I'd still say he deserves credit for how he was playing before he got injured and and, and he's he's not the dope from the other from the other season, or he doesn't seem to be. Robertson's just had his best game there, so all of a sudden the left side looks okay. The right side, Gomez being brilliant, um, sent loads of promise. Then centre half and no Klein by the way. We're forgetting yeah. literally. I'm a little feather about Klein. Yeah, second exactly. best left back, right back in England. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, where where are problems? And you'd still like a centre half, of course, and we're being linked again with Virgil Van Dijk, and that'd be lovely because he is a big. Colossus, and I think he would improve us whether we can get it done and whether Liverpool want to pay 70 million quid and whether Southampton will back down on that fee remains to be seen. But there are options now. I mean, you, you know, it's not long ago that, well, it's last season. That last season he's turned into the bench and, it, and it's got Ben Woodburn on it every week. And then all of a sudden now you're looking at the bench and, 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 and you know, you're bringing Lallana on. And, and like, you know, he doesn't really do much yesterday. He still like, looks like he's got a little bit to go. But you know you got Ings kicking about as well. You got Solanke there who needs a goal, like. But you know all of a sudden that bench looks never going to score. <laughs> and do you reckon? He's no, never yeah. going to score. He just needs one to go enough. As I asked the old chestnut, I think we're not going to be saying that. But he's played thirty-two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does feel a little bit like that with him, doesn't it? But um, he's got tons of promise not to score for four years. <laughs> but look, <laughs> he does look really good. I mean, I'm not just saying he's just never going to score. I felt so sorry for him yesterday. I know. I know. It, it does feel that way for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels like a you know it feels like a good time for Liverpool and just one of them. Like, where where do we go? I think what John said before was spot on in that you sort of feel again that it's a little bit of a crossroads and like where did he go from here like what are they going to do in January like what will happen with the Coutinho situation how good are we going to be at hanging on to our top players as well I mean you know the more the more that Salah's doing what he's doing the more he's going to get noticed I don't think it's coincidental that you know like Zidane starts talking about him and things like that you know these things happen you know there's no secrets around world football and there's no secrets about who's got money and who can potentially tempt players away so Liverpool have just got to get a stronger resolve and you know even like someone like Coutinho you know you just watch the performance like that like is it absolutely nailed on that he's going because if it isn't let's sit the fella down let, let, let's see if there's something that can be done offer him more money offer him a better deal but you know 
buy him a sun lamp or something. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Just anything, anything that might make a difference to L- him staying. Loan your vouchers. You know what I mean? Let, let, let's try and keep our players. And you know, because it's still, it's still, it's still doing my head in watching Sterling. Do, do you know? So well do you want really interesting on this point? I, I put a tweet out yesterday um, saying, give him the captaincy and put three hundred thousand pound a week on the table. And the amount of Liverpool fans who came back, he wants to go, mate. He wants to go. It's all done. It's all done and dusted. And that fatalism. Based on what? Yeah. Exactly. I, I just you can't, seen Robo Sun Lamp I, I, No, exactly, exactly. It's a it's a belter. Um, I might get. I wouldn't mind getting under it with him. Um, but no, I mean, it, and and Liverpool, Liverpool as a football club as well need. To, hopefully, they've already done it. If they haven't already done that, that is in, that's just insane. Um, and I'd, I'd also ask whose job it is as well. Personally, for me, it's the manager's job to be doing that, to be selling Liverpool as a vision to say, you can become a Liverpool legend. And we've said this about Suarez before. Well, yeah, I've said, said, we... yeah, said that in the past. Klopp and, and Coutinho before it all kicked yeah, off last summer. Did ref- he literally referenced you know, it. He referenced that Jürgen Klopp had said, if you stay here, they'll build a statue of you. Exactly. And, then th- and then three, four so, weeks later... So the question different. is, is that message being reiterated? Are Liverpool giving up on it? Are Liverpool actually actively thinking, we, we'd like that money? Because for me... Listening to him in the, the, the couple of shortish and, and relatively restricted interviews he's given, it sounds to me as though he's going in January. He's certainly fishing. He's fishing for a deal in January. He's talking about every enjoying every single game at the moment and, and obviously putting it in, which he is. But I don't think there's any assurances from our point of view that he's not going in January. Yeah, I was just going to say, just on the back of what uh, Robbo said about this period that's coming up for Klopp is absolutely critical for him. and for Because I, I think he's, you know... You know my thoughts. I, you know, I'm quite, I'm quite open about the fact I'd rather you didn't win anything, um, but it doesn't change my life if you do. Um, but I'm looking in on the outside in a kind of, you know, um, with a level head on it all, and I'm thinking it's a big period coming up for him. This he's gonna, he's gonna have to demonstrate what he hasn't done yet, which is to bring people in where he needs it. Because um, I think what he's done is he's brought better in areas that were all right, uh, but he certainly hasn't plugged some of the gaps that that, that absolutely are going to prevent Liverpool from going out to the next level. So that's one point. Um, his ability to keep these people, um, such as Coutinho, you know, you mentioned Salah, who's just, you know, gone through the ceiling in terms of performance and status. Um, being able to create a belief that this is the right place for him to fulfil his ambitions. Nobody's asked about having a statue. People want to leave a football career with trophies and medals. Um, and that's one thing that Liverpool haven't been able to do a good enough job of. Um you know, in the last in the last couple of years, I don't know. I, I think it's one or two trophies in the last decade or something daft like that. But you know, these players will stay if they believe that they're going to fulfil their ambitions at Liverpool. And if they don't, then that's ultimately where you've got to start expecting that they're going to move on elsewhere. And I think that's then when you're going to look at the manager and say, you know, um, maybe you're not the right person for this job. There's something in the idea, though, John, of the importance of keeping your head. And the manager's talking about it a lot. He's, 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 he says, you know, he, he believes in doing the right things in every game. Momentum, he doesn't necessarily believe in it, though I think there's a separate conversation there about what it does to supporters when he talks about supporters. But instead, let's just start to concentrate on the football side. But this is where sort of the the wider sort of Liverpool support and thing, keeping our heads, being calm. I mean, you know, Spurs have conceded three from set pieces in the last four, and the goalkeeper's got holograms for hands. Um, and no one, no one loses, no one goes mental about it. You know, Spurs have just been done four one at City, and everyone's just sort of shrugged their shoulders. Partially because of where the season is with City and all of that sort of stuff, but it's also that Spurs are best suited to being allowed to just get on the job, get on with the job of being Spurs out of these six six sides who are all going for their top four. There is, you know, we are unbeaten in twelve. I'm back to we have only conceded five from open play in 17 we're doing things right it's just whether or not again whether or not it's right enough and happening fast enough yeah and there's also 
what I said to the right of the star, which is you're not sure what you're gonna what you're gonna get next. So we could we could all go around the table now, uh, including Steve, and say what do you expect from Liverpool at Anfield? Uh, sorry, at Arsenal in terms of performance, in terms of results, and, and we could all you could all just say different things, and you could all make a case, and they'd be they'd be equally believable. I could go out and say that I just think we're just gonna absolutely tear them apart. You know, we'll go there high tempo. We've got a nice period of rest. You know, the front lads are flying. They're all scoring. Arsenal don't look much cop. Three four nil, and you could all go yes, yeah, sound or I could go. Do you know what? We'll do? We might just go a bit flat, and we might have a bad period, and they'll have a bit on top, and they'll score from it, and Lovren will have another Mary member in a Tottenham, and you could all go yes, sound. And so it's and, and anything in between as well. You know, it could be free all, and both teams I mean, play well. I, and this is why it is Friday is the acid test because I mean, ultimately this. Well, I mean, last season Liverpool had great results against the top sides, but mm. couldn't dismiss enough of the poor sides. This season, generally speaking, we've done well against the poorer sides, notwithstanding West Brom and Everton and Anfield in the last uh, fortnight. But it was always going to be a challenge because you weren't going to get five wins and five draws against the top, you yeah. know, the top six, if you like. And this, you know, looking at the, the the results in the big games. So you look at the the, the two comparative games that we've had uh, to the, the the match on Friday is City and Spurs away. And, we, and we've lost them 5-0 and 4-1. Um, so this is why it's the acid test. It's the, the test is to take that intensity, take that confidence and aggression into the game on, on Friday. And Klopp speaks about momentum and rhythm. We've got it. Don't sacrifice it. And I just looked at the... You know, the, obviously, we've got five, five or six games coming up, which is the arse end of this glut of games, if you like. To me, Arsenal, you go strong. Then you've got, you've got Swansea where you can rotate a bit. Then Leicester... Decent side, Leicester on the day, you go strong against them. Then you've got Burnley away, which is a tough game, but I still think you can rotate. And the reason you rotate is that three days after that, you've got Everton again in the cup. And that's an imperative win because that's our, that's our most realistic chance of winning a trophy this season. And we just so, need to batter them. So, <laughs> and, and you, you often talk, Neil, about you know, sort of looking at a whole selection of games and having a plan in place. Well, there's your plan. And I, I, you know, people might argue with me that Burnley might be one you go stronger than, say, against, um, against Leicester. But if I'm sitting down and looking at that as those six games as a piece, then I've got my plan in place, and Klopp's got to have that in place too. That's that's his job. Um, <clears throat> okay, uh, really good for Mike and Steve to come in today because we want to talk about a new thing that they're both working on, working on together, uh, working for a company called Fans Bet uh, and Reds Bet. Um, and on that, I want uh, Steve, if you want to explain to, to our listeners what the idea is behind the Fans Bet model. Yeah, um, basic basically, it's a simple model of um, it's a betting site that uh, has a bit of a difference in which the company uh, that I've, I've been asked to lead and it's a great honour to be asked to lead it um, um, we share our, our net profits back out to football fans uh, and within the football fan community for causes um, either fan causes or causes that matter to fans the most uh, the idea has been born out of uh, some uh, fanatical football fans based in Norway who have been historically involved in uh, casino, uh, poker, and various other aspects of uh, of the of the gaming industry. Um, you know, f- football fanatics. Um, I've known them for a, for a while, and they came up with this concept a while back. Um, now I've been sat for the last sort of twenty nine years, um, and certainly in the last year of that as a senior global director in a very very well known global brand. It's important that everyone knows that Steve Armstrong is like Batman and Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when I'm not getting paid um, money, I you know I, when I'm getting paid money to be responsible, I can do it. Um, but um, <laughs> and then I'll, then all the time stood outside Old Trafford selling you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like Batman's less likely. To wear black and steers. <laughs> um, even, even Batman added the dashy colour every now and again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm, as I said to somebody the other day, I'll keep wearing black until someone invents a darker colour. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, they um they they've they've obviously approached me because they 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 believe passionately in this idea and they want to who can bring this to life. And I think when you look at the concept of, you know, ultimately having somebody who's been in, involved at a high level from a business and from a strategic point of view, um, certainly. That's um, something I've, I've done for a long time. Um, I've been involved in fan culture through United We Stand, whether it be writing for it, selling it, travelling with it, um, and even talking about it on podcasts um, for a number, number of years now. Um, you know, and I think as well, having the ability to sort of be balanced, not just within your own fan community, but across the football fan community as a whole, um, that was important. But also, you know, everybody knows, you know, I like betting. I'm, I'm part owner of a couple of horses. I love everything about the enjoyment and the satisfaction you can get from from enjoyable gambling, which again I'll touch on in a bit. And yeah, it was a great honour to be asked to lead that. Um, and um, so I've I've been appointed to, to take this on board. The concept is a simple one: fans bet. Um, we're not asking people to to suddenly take up gambling because of it. Uh, we're saying if you you know you don't want to gamble, don't. Um, but if we're saying like half the country probably will do, I think some like forty eight percent of people in the country have had a bet in the last month. We're saying if you're going to do it, come and do it with us because a if you win, um, great stuff. Um, you walk away with your winnings like you would from any bookie. But what will happen if you don't is that a proportion of that um, will get put aside. Uh, in a fans foundation and that will go to good fan causes and that's what uh, the concept of the whole business is all are about so you know we're talking about as much as 50% um, so we're willing to share 50% of our net revenue our net profit back out to football supporting communities and it isn't just about giving cash away either um, and we're not giving cash away what we're saying to people is we're sharing back our net profit for you to do things that really matter to you so you know examples um, you know of, of how that would work could be very very simple we we're looking for clubs to come on board with us as partners and beneficiaries whether it be um, whether it be branches whether it be supporters clubs trusts associations whether it be certain aspects of fan media because we think along the lines of as as do I that there's enough you know when you I, I come from an area where football fans were appallingly treated um, you know and that's right the way through the 70s into the 80s demonised by Thatcher and the government and obviously you know it came to a, a, a tragic conclusion with what happened in Sheffield in 89 but you know when you look at how football fans are treated now in terms of the experience it's a different world but I think when you apply the revenue that's available in the game and how much of that goes towards fan contribute fan, fan experiences fan causes you know there's an argument to say that we're badly treated still um, you know, given what's available to us and the revenue within the game, you know, I think a lot of the, there's so, so much more that could be done with, with the fan community and with good fan causes. So, you know, we think that we've got a really good business model here and giving fans the opportunity to not just take revenue from a betting company, um, but ultimately be the judge and jury as to where that goes to as well. So we're giving not just revenue back out to fan causes, but we're giving the ability to make decisions. We're giving them the autonomy to determine what a good cause is for them. Um, and we think that we've got something that can make a massive, massive difference to football fan communities across the country, but also, you know, football fan areas where football really, really matters. And Mike, you, you're moving over to work full time on the Reds bet side of this, the side that yeah. uh, deals with Liverpool Football Club. What kind of lamp did you get? <laughs> big one, yeah. Coutinho's lamp. Oh, oh no, so it, it wasn't Coutinho. It was, was Coutinho's lamp, in a good yeah. city for keeping his tan up. Let's face it. <laughs> Ample uh, outlets, yeah. Tannery. <laughs> You've come over from from your job as well, you know, yeah. in a senior management role to come and be you sort of look after the the LFC brand, the the Reds bet angle of this, and it's it's something that you're you know you want to do because again you it's back to having a conversation around community and football and trying to find new positive innovative ways to uh, to empower that. 
Yeah, um, I'm basically, I mean, with FansBet being the overarching company um, already in creation uh, that Steve knows a lot about is uh, Red Army Bet, which is the United franchise, uh, for want of a better word. And, and I've been recruited to, to sort of lead up on, on Red's Bet, which is going to be a very Liverpool-centric aspect of fans of, uh, of, of fans Bet. Um, so I'm just really excited about the, the whole notion of, of giving so much back into our own fan community causes and... Um, you know, I, I've yet to start in the job. I don't start until January, but I've already got visions that some aspects of our support are based, and it's my job really to, to grow the business and get people to to sign up and have have some fun with Reds Bet. Um, but you know, potential beneficiaries might be you know Alder Hay, it might be the Owen McVeigh Foundation, it might be an hour for others, all causes that are well known amongst the Liverpool fan community. If supporters clubs want to come on board and you know promote our our brand amongst the, their own members, then potential for to, for us to re- reinvest money back into things like supporters travel to games, things like that. I mean, there's no end to the to the possibilities where we can be given something back into causes that matter to Liverpoolians. Um, Steve, did you want to chip in there? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say. I mean, he's, he's made a reference there. Fans bet is the other organisation, but for for our bigger clubs that that are out there, um, you know, we 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 will provide like a unique branded site that is so for example red army bet exists for united um reds bet is the only other brand that exists for for liverpool so that's up and running now you know and it is obviously a branded site um you know we are also offering you know branded app um michael you know daft bets little special bets that you can do every night that you're not going to get on other bookies better odds and all that kind of she stuff she loves the scouse clock well is he that was that was it didn't what that actually didn't come in sadly but that was for <laughs> liverpool to score an other time winner against chelsea um fans of fans of she loves chance. the scouse clock yeah indeed um <laughs> yeah um pretty much the best thing that's happened on, to me in 2017 she loves the scouse clock indeed chelsea, um, chelsea sent by on red army that was a pretty good one <laughs> um, and yesterday's uh yesterday one of yesterday's specials came in and uh lost us some money but she'll go back into fans causes and that was uh, born supremacy which is Liverpool to win the game to nil not to nil but to win the game to nil and I've just been having loads of fun I've been writing <laughs> You've specials you puns haven't you I, I have indeed and uh, I've, I've spent this morning writing up the Arsenal specials the thing is though is, is you know just to bring you know the, the, the idea is to have some fun with this because having a good bet it's part of match day culture it's a very very much a big part of culture um, in the country anyway whether it be having a bet you, know, you can bet on anything now, but there's a couple of serious sides to this that we're, we're absolutely conscious of and you know I'm I'm committed to doing a number of things with this is the obvious business model of creating something that that gives us the opportunity to give back to to great causes um, in the fan community and just to give you a couple of other examples when we've been out and about talking to other clubs um, and one of the you know I, I come from a part of North Manchester where I had literally I had nothing um, and I grew up in a rough part this isn't some kind of sob story or anything like that, but I do think it's more to the point of I'm trying to get across that the, the sense of community really, really does matter to me and the whole piece around giving back. So anything that involves giving back to things that matter is, is always a big thing for me. But when you've been out and about chatting to other supporters groups and other supporters trusts, it's been unbelievably inspiring just listening to some of the ideas that are there. And, you know, we met, um, you know, you know, Leeds are a classic example, as are Glasgow Rangers. When you look at the way those clubs' fans have been treated, I mean, yeah, putting whatever you might have, your view of that might be as a football fan to one side for a minute. Um, you know, when you actually look at it, they've got a real, real strong cause. They actually want to use revenue potentially to get a foot in the door of the club, get shares and get a seat where their voice can get really, really mad. But then when you listen to other stories, like we've talked to clubs who 
They've got ex-players whose graves are a mess and they want to tidy those up. You know, Sheffield United have got this brilliant scheme called Tickets for Kids and that's what they want to use Fans Bet Revenue to do. Tickets for Kids is basically using money generated through Fans Bet um, to give tickets to kids from really underprivileged backgrounds in Sheffield to give them free access to the stadium. You know, when you listen to those kind of stories out there, you know, we're not saying, we, we're ultimately, we're a betting company, but the reality of it is, is with us, if you win, great. If you lose, if you do it with another a bookmaker, they'll just keep it like they would do and invest it in marketing and shareholders and various other things. We're making a commitment to do really, really good things like some of those things that you've just heard. Another example of that is obviously, you know, the safe standing issue, which has been, has been gathering in real, real momentum across football um, and very, very much so in this city as well with the SOS vote on it a couple of months back. Um, but as you know, Shrewsbury Town have been um, have been quite active in in progressing their rail seating plan. And, um, you know, we... Um, it sort of sits outside a little bit of the process of, of fans bet, um, but we made a donation of, of their final 12 grand to get them up and running um, with that. So I guess it further emphasises the fact that our commitment is absolutely about using the enjoyment aspects of, 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 of online gaming, but also giving fans the opportunity to do something with the revenue that uh, so that it goes to things that really, really matter to them. Yeah, and just one last point, just picking up on what Steve said there about tickets for kids, that uh, is something that uh, the people at Sheffield United have spoken to us about, is that, um, you know, that's a particular thing in Liverpool, isn't it? You know, that our disenfranchised generation, you know, not many children going to Anfield, not, not many children being able to afford to go to Anfield or their parents to take themselves and their kids to the match. Um, so any any of the, the the Liverpool groups that I hope to engage with um, from January, um, you know, if they wanted to nominate a, a ticket for Liverpool kids scheme as as to, to be one of our beneficiaries, then you know that's absolutely something I'd want to look to ex- explore. Um, and more than anything else, you know, you, you, you've, if you've had enough of Ray Winston bleating on it here at half time, or you're sick of seeing Chris Chris Kamara swanning around his cafe, then <laughs> you won't have to do that anymore. You probably just have to listen to me, um, and hopefully, you know, we can engage you with um, with the Liverpool special bets. It'll always be really, really attractive odds on Liverpool as well, um, and that's uh, that's something that will be not not just a laugh, but something for for someone who likes a bet that, to bet to really get hold of. I think the other aspects of this that is really key here as well is this piece around about you know our our motto is that it's about fans it's by fans and it's for fans and it always will be and that's got to stretch through other aspects of the business and you know Mike coming on board the reason for that is because we wanted we wanted Liverpool fans to run the Liverpool aspect of this we want United fans to run the United bit we want people in Sheffield to take care of the Sheffield pack we will only recruit fans that's one of the points the other thing is is you know a lot of betting companies are spending fortunes on advertising on marketing you know we don't want to do that right we'd rather use the foot soldier mentality of you know John telling his mate here do it with fans bet because and hope that that foot soldier mentality will spread enough for us to not be investing that amount of money into marketing and various other things but one thing we will absolutely be committed to as well is is spending what marketing and advertising and, and awareness driving that we want to do doing it in fan areas as well advertising in fanzines not on the telly advertising on podcasts and fan media not on radio and you really helping to keep those aspects alive as well because those things exist for a reason those things exist because people still feel the need that that's the only place where fans can have a voice and can have a say in, in what goes on yeah, in their football and, and, club. You know, for us, I think it's you know it's, it's about community um, per se, but it's about fan community uh, and the things that you know to, are, are dear to the hearts of, of football supporters. And my role at Reds Beth will be to to do that with uh, among Liverpool supporters exclusively. 
Um, but his fans bet is the wider thing. Okay, fansbet.com then, if you want to join in and be part of this process. As said before, this isn't about looking for new punters. It's if you're currently someone who is interested in gambling as a regular bet, feel free to get over to redsbet.com. You've heard everything that these two chaps who've been contributing to what we do for years are up to, who are people that you know, voices that you're used to, and also, therefore, you can, we, we feel as though you can back their reputations in this. Getting back to the football, getting back to the league picture. Uh, United stay tidy win at West Brom. Doing a very good job of winning the games that you should be winning. The Derby performance slash approach notwithstanding. Derby was weird actually because I, um, you know, in the grimness of selling mags outside in the second worst weather I've had to deal with in 20 years of selling mags, um, only bettered by the following Wednesday, um, (laughs) which was just rotten. Um, But um, the Derby performance was an odd one because when I heard the team, I thought, God, that's that's going for it. That you know, you got Lingard in midfield. You got you know this Marshall, Rashford, and Lukaku up front thing, which you know you've heard me talk about before. So to see that team and then send it out in a defensive, almost playing like an away team mentality was just one of Mourinho's very very rare tactical cockups. I thought. So you know that was that was one part. Getting back in the saddle the other night, it was one of them games where just win it, get out of there. It was an horrible match, horrible conditions. Just get your win and get out of there. Um, and then obviously to back that up again yesterday, um, it was an okayish performance. What was really quite interesting yesterday was, um, and someone else has picked up on this. If you if you actually look at the start in eleven. Six of them were Ferguson players yesterday. Yeah. Um, two of them were Van Gaals. There was even a Moyes in there. And then you're talking two, just two of Jose Mourinho's um, in Lukaku and and Matic. So you can probably get to sort of see where some of the prickliness that occasionally is seeping its way out of in terms of Mourinho is coming from. Um, you know, and you know when he gets prickly, he gets he gets it. You know, he he wants to tell the whole world about it. But um, yeah, it was a tough day for us yesterday. Um, you know, you've got West Brom trying to impress the new manager um they were all right but united never really um it was only when the tank started to empty sort of 75 80 minutes in that you thought oh hello are we gonna are we gonna chuck it in here but we ain't we gone and it was a decent win and you know and to your point yeah it's yet another win under under the board 13th of out of 18 this season which is uh you know in any other season um it'd be no mean feat at it's Gareth for me. You know, you look at the table. Look at the table now. After every game, it was Spurs' points to drop. Uh, drop point. Spurs' turn to drop points this weekend. Got themselves completely outclassed in the process. But it is. You know, you're looking at everyone really, and you go. Really, to me, this one looks like it is going to go so close to the wire. Every point matters. Professionalism matters really because it must be hard for some of these players in terms of the fact that they all want to try and win a title. United's players want to try and win a title. Liverpool's players want to try and win a title. And yes, United are best place to catch City if they slip. And it, but everyone else now is just sort of catch, trying to catch United, really. trying to, And it is a strange situation we've got into where you do feel as though we're all locked into a battle to see, firstly, who's going to come top four, but secondly, who's, who's winning the right to be the second-best team in the country. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, it's weird to it's weird to have a, a Liverpool manager, to be honest, you know, basically conceding, you know, the title. Um, we, we, want to be, we want to be up there fighting for it, if we're all being honest, and, you know, We've got our rich history and everything else, but a Liverpool please, manager who's unbeaten in twelve, but, having to say, yeah, I don't know, and it's totally realistic, isn't it? You know, the the, the gaps, the gaps, absolutely huge. I mean, all the stats are permanently around you about how they're breaking records, about how no one's come back from this far back to win it. Um, at, you know, being in second place or lower, and so you know, and all the thing, you know, the other week, loads of people kept saying, or it felt like loads of people kept saying, oh, you know, City will have a slip though, won't he? City will have a period, and it just. 
it doesn't look like that's going to happen, does it? <laughs> they're just they're getting better and better, aren't they? And and they get you know they they're getting different types of wins. You know they, they've they've had the period where they've they've scraped a load of late winners and things like that, which shows like a spirit to the side. And so as as hard as it is to to big them up and and watch it all unfold, I think it's it's realistic to say that everyone else is you know second to fourth or second to fifth or whatever battling it out between themselves. But the, you're right in that there's no there's no room to manoeuvre, and that's why. Look, some people have like slaughtered us or or even me in particular um, over being worried about the league table and being worried about where Liverpool are in it and being worried about dropping points against shite like Everton and West Brom. But the reason, the reason for that is that tightness is that it, it's it's going to be the same at the bottom as well by the looks of it. You know, so it's really interesting for anyone in the world who is actually a neutral. I don't know who those neutrals ever are, by the way. They always yeah. go on about neutrals. Mm-hmm. Who's neutral? If you're really into footy, you're Refs. neutral. Yeah. Even that, though, though, no, no. Um, I think there's another angle to it as well. Um, for me, <laughs> obviously, the, the aim is to get top four so you, you know you have another year in, in Champions League football yeah. and consolidating the Klopp project if you like has to be based on another year of, of Champions League football if you're going to heap older Salah for example and, <coughs> and or Coutinho um, but the, the other side of it is if, if you can embed yourself in second and you're clear of the team in sixth Liverpool's priority is really in terms of winning winning cups this season or putting silverware on the table at the FA Cup and the Champions League. So it offers you more scope to do that rotation. The rotation that Benitez was pilloried for when he'd occasionally lose a game because he thought, well, I can win the European Cup. I can't win this league. I'm seven. You know, Mourinho he, did it last season. With yeah, the and, and ended up with two, ended up with two cups. Um, you know, to, to our you know to our disgust, if you like. Um, but the, the, you know there are there are parallels, I and mean, we're at the moment on what, uh, what we call history. We've been talking about two thousand and five six, where Chelsea had about what, what was the record? Played, Seven, played twenty two, won twenty, drawn one, lost one. <coughs> yeah, so I mean that's even better than City to the, to this point, albeit that they've not lost yet. Um, so yeah, I mean of course the, the, the teams and, and managers and players are going to be professional about it. But for me, there's that extra aspect. If you can get yourself a, a bridgehead um, ahead of the teams that you, you're vying for fourth with. Then you can rest players before the Champions League tie. You can rest players. You can actually play your stronger team in the FA Cup and think, well, actually, we'd be all right if we get a point in this league game. And I think that's the critical thing for me. There is also like the journey thing, though, as well, isn't it? Because you think about the, you know, and I know people hate talking about or listening to this, and and I hate saying it as well, but I'll do it one more time. So 13 14, we know what happened, but we also know it was a great season and Liverpool played really well. But what, what was important for the way they started that season is what they did the season before. Yeah. You know, and, and now the second half of that season in particular. The six nils at Newcastle yeah, and they, all they, that. They found yeah. the rhythm, players were understanding each other, and it felt like you're on a journey going somewhere. And that's what Liverpool need to do with this season. Okay, you know, the title is now obviously out of reach. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with, you know, going deep into all the competitions, finishing as high as you can in the league, getting that rhythm, persuading Put those them players. Down. Yeah, exactly. And then starting next season out the blocks flying everyone buzzing everyone believing in the side and you know we didn't start this season that way we we started it with doubts mm. loaded with doubts all of us players I reckon as well you know and and the way the transfers went and all that knocked our knocked our collective confidence and, as and well and let's face it doubts that are occasionally still resurfacing yeah, yeah, yeah. not not least well, in the last the season last after all in that waffle yeah. didn't we but yeah. you never get a brilliant season out the blue even that Leicester one they had the run right. to stay up, didn't yeah, they? The, yeah, the yeah. four months, which was which was Champions League form. So mm. even even there, kind of, 
you know, freak league league win was was a little bit in the making. And so I guess that's the way you've got to think, even if and Man City looked at the hard yards yesterday were last year, sorry, when Guardiola was getting criticized for for, for not being too rigid for for not having a plan B for you know not adapted enough to the Premier League he stuck to his guns and and they had a lot of disappointing performances and results last mm. season but he but he stuck fair play he stuck with it and they're getting the results now yeah I, the, the only thing that stuck out of me at Old Trafford against against them lot was um, they didn't play very well um, contrary to popular belief they didn't play well at all um, and if you actually look at it they didn't massively trouble our goalie but the two goals came from from massive cock-ups from, from United's defence. So they're definitely a team that, on their day, they're, they're sensational to watch. I, I I don't tend to watch them if I can because I just get annoyed. But um, they were, I saw about 25, 30 minutes of the Tottenham game and there was some sensational stuff being played, there's no doubt about it. But people can get them. But I think what always, I guess, for I guess a little bit of hope for everybody, even though I don't think it's going to turn into anything, second half of season, you've, you've kind of got that history of, well we've played these ones now we know what we're dealing with so you get that element of people sort of go into it a little bit I think people after five, six, seven games think you know we're going to have a go here because and then they get absolutely smashed I think something that you know people work you out and then if they're good enough to tactically come up against something to nullify that then you know you can you can get some daft results the other thing that comes into play um, in the second half of the season is the different mentality of sides trying to stay up and judging by the bottom yeah. six or seven that looks like it could be quite a tight little group. So mm. suddenly you're coming up against your big games more often than that, aren't your local derbies or whoever is in second. You end up with a ton of them because you're playing against teams fighting for that life. And, you know, you get that kind of quality of unknown part as well coming in the second part of the season. So I think it's absolutely too early to be, I think for any side to be saying it's home and hosed and it's done and dusted yet. Um, it would take a, an absolutely spectacular collapse. Um, but, I absolutely don't think it is. I think if they get sort of through the first four or five games into sort of early to mid-Feb and it's just, just this juggernaut's just carrying on, then, you know, it is absolutely game over. And I think yeah, I mean, I mean to sort of broadly agree with Steve. I mean, I don't think they're coming back to anyone, um, but I, I'd be very surprised if they go through the season unbeaten. And then, you know, come February, you face that twin challenge of the, you know, winning the European Cup is big for them. Just generally speaking, they've never won it. It's big for their owners as well. Um, and you know, what they'll hope be hoping to do is to be able to put themselves in a position where they can prioritise Champions League, Champions League games because they've got that cushion at the top. But it's a cushion. I mean, I think we're 18 points behind. I couldn't believe it. Actually, I looked at the league yesterday. Yeah. I couldn't believe we were 18 points behind them. But you look look at the games that they've won um, and, and the points that they've dropped. It's not really a surprise. Yep. Um, Liverpool are operating at the standard Champions League form of two points a game, um, which is which is all fine and dandy. If this carries on, they're going to end up selling some games out soon. <laughs> <laughs> next load of games are significant. I'll tell you what, he's, t- he's took that quite well, I felt. Um, next load of games are quite significant. Chelsea's He was first. all right until Mike Nevin said about them winning the Champions League. Then he, it's, that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, no, you know that it, bit it, where your mouth fills <laughs> with yeah. I think, I think I'll, I'll be getting get me P45 after the show. Um, yeah, give your lamp back. Just dead quick, just dead quick, John, just to, 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 to end us here. Uh, Chelsea, Spurs, and, our, and United have all got tricky away as well. The same weekend we go to Arsenal. Um, Spurs are off to Burnley. Um, Chelsea are going to Everton. Uh, should be a tricky away. We'll see. United uh, are going to Leicester. It, it, it's a reminder, isn't it? Just this little bank of games there. Someone's dropping points there. I'm, one of Arsenal and Liverpool have simply got to maybe both and you'd fancy that one of the other three are going to drop points as well realistically yeah and it's the period where we'll have to see whether Jürgen Klopp's 
rotation, extreme rotation, if you like, compared to his rivals, will pay off. Um, you know, this this the period where you're hoping that we'll look a little bit fresher than everyone else because because we have rotated more statistically, far more than our rivals. You know, we've got we've got the big squad, the, the players who've been brought in. You think for almost for this period, you weren't getting much of a look in the first couple of months, and, and this is where you're hoping our our, our legs will, 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 will allow us to pick up more points than our than our rivals. You know, we'll have to wait and see on that. But there's people are making noises or even even Guardioli before the Tottenham game is saying, well, we're going to need the crowd there because. You know the, the players are tired. I mean, he didn't look tired, but mm. but it's telling. The opposite tired. <laughs> but it's telling that. The, yeah, but the, but they're telling that that they're saying that if you like, and so it is. It is going to come into play. We'll just have to see how much. But you can look. You can still be fresh and crap. You can still be fresh and crap. Um, quickly, yeah. Who's finishing top four, Mike? Uh, not that bothered by the order. Okay, City, uh, City United, Liverpool, and. Chelsea. Mm, no, I'm going Spurs. I think Spurs will pull themselves together. I think Spurs will fuck her up. I think it's Chelsea. The, that, that, that three, the North West three and Chelsea. Yeah. Steve? Uh, United, top. <laughs> <laughs> Burnley second. No, um, no United, uh, City will win it, obviously. Um, and then I think you'll be able to throw a blanket come the end of the season over United, Chelsea and Liverpool. Okay. John? Yeah, North London, I think, to myself this year. Uh, that's... But, but that, I mean, that might be with, a, with a, a Liverpool hat on, but you know, that is my hat, so I shall wear it. Okay, excellent stuff. Thank you very much to John, to Steve, to Gareth, and to Mike. It's been your Anfield app this week. We're going to uh, all be psyched up for a massive, massive Friday night in London. Loads of stuff on tour player. You know how to subscribe by now. The Anfield app.com forward slash subscribe. See you in a bit. Sports Social Podcast Network.